Step into a world of magic and limitless possibilities with me, your host, Katie Soul. I'm not just your average podcaster. I'm a former Fortune 100 exec who dared to escape the rat race and embark on my own mystical journey. Together, we'll discover that a mystical life is not something you stumble upon. It's a life you consciously create. Join me as we explore inspiring stories of extraordinary souls who fearlessly pursued their dreams and unlocked their inner radiance. Welcome to my world where magic awaits and your light shines bright. Hello and welcome to Mystical Living. I am so excited to intro my guest today, but first I wanted to give you a gift of gratitude from my heart to yours. I am so grateful to each and every one of you listening, and I am offering a very special gift just to our podcast listeners. You have been with us since the beginning of this journey, and mm, my heart is so full with gratitude to each and every one of you. So we are offering 30% off of Soul School. Our course, How to Really Manifest Your Dreams, is live, and we would love for you to be a part of it. You can use code PODCAST to get your 30% off and look to the show notes to get the link to join. And without further ado, welcome, welcome, Vic. Hello. Hi. So excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited. This is going to be an extra magical episode. I can feel it. Now, so Vic, tell us, who are you really? Well, um, thanks for giving me a chance to speak to you and uh, your audience. Super excited to be here. Many of those that call me a friend or a coach or, you know, a consultant really know me as a business advisor or a tarot reader. I'm also licensed a hypnotherapist and um, a wellness coach. So majority of my time, I either spend with women, predominantly women founders and entrepreneurs, and basically help them make empowered business decisions based on intuitive guidance and, you know, the business savvy. Or I'm in sessions with women and men trying to help them through like big transitions in life using the power of tarot. Oh my gosh, Vic's readings are so profound and magical. And I've had the absolute gift of experiencing them. A mutual friend of mine, Andrea, who will be coming on the podcast very soon too, introed me to Vic and actually gifted me a reading with Vic. And it was so beautiful and profound. Okay. Oh, I did. We'll have to dive into that as we go. But first, every episode, we start with a practice to just kind of take us out of that day to day, whatever you've been doing, moving, grooving, driving kids, going to work, whatever (laughs) it might have been, and just settle down and quiet the mind. And Vic's going to lead us through a really beautiful practice today called tapas. And it's actually new to me too. So I'm really excited to experience this. And it's a little bit of a longer format than our one to three minutes. So take a breath, settle in, get comfortable. And I'm going to turn it over to Vic for this beautiful practice. 
Thanks, Katie. A little bit about this practice first. So a lot of the tools that I use, right? It's really hard to differentiate between science, the way our brains are wired and why certain things work, right? And energy, where it's something we can't really explain, but it just works on a mystical level, right? So Tapas is one of those things. We'll drop the information in the show notes, right? There's a website, Tapas Fleming invented this um, technique, and I believe in 1990s, 1993, perhaps. I learned it from Melissa Tears in the format of the clinical hypnosis, right? Like medical hypnosis. And this technique is used to tackle things like chronic pain or any issues in your body that are very much so physical. But this technique actually goes beyond and it works on energetic level and it works on emotional level and even the physical level that are, you know, things that are in your physical presence that are, you know, a problem. Now, when I work with a client or when I use this technique on myself, I keep a certain specific thing in mind, right? So my language that I use for myself or the client that I'm walking through this practice is very specific. Right now, because we are doing it for a group, I'm going to use things like an issue and a problem. But as I say that, I want you to think about the issue and problem that is a problem for you that you're going to transform in the next few minutes. How this works, I mean, we can talk about science, but really, I think it's quite magical and works on the deep energetic level. Some of you will be dropping into your body. Some of you going into subconscious, right? Only three to 5% of our brain is used for our logic and thinking and all that. 97, 95% are under the surface. So you might be dropping into your body and doing a lot of like somatic work. You might actually be going into subconscious. Both are fine. So one other thing, in order for this to work, you have to go into specific physical position, right? So looks a little bit odd, a little bit weird um, as I'm explaining this, but the entire time you're going to be basically, you'll relax in your chair and you find the position that's comfortable, comfortable to you. If you want to lay down, you can. You're going to place two fingers right here on your nose and the index finger on your third eye. I do, yeah, I do the ring finger and the thumb right here. Yeah, that feels more natural, the ring finger and the thumb. Um, and you can rest the rest of your fingers on your face, right? And, and then you're going to place your index finger on your third eye, just kind of like so. Yep. Do I look right now? <laughs> yep, that looks great. And then um, I think when we talked to, about this practice before the session, I didn't tell you how weird it's going to be, but you're going to no, take... Oh, I love it. <laughs> the weirder, the better. This might be a good episode if you're listening to watch. So you can watch it on Spotify. You can watch this episode on YouTube too. If you want the, the visual. You're going to need a visual because it does, you need to do this in order for it to work. So, okay. So that's one hand. Your other hand is going to cup your head. So your thumb is going to go here in the crevice on your head and you're going to just cup it like that. Like so. Okay. That makes sense. Yep. Perfect. Yep. Yep. Perfect. Yeah. So I'm not going to be doing it as I'm walking you through it, but typically if I'm doing it on myself, I'll do it and you can have your eyes closed. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. Can and I we'll start? Back. Can I get comfy? Yeah, you can totally get comfy. Okay. Get comfy and just allow your body to relax. I know there's different techniques in doing so. What I love doing is the deep breath in, breathing out twice as long. Not a rocket science. Breathe in on four, breathe out on eight. So what that does is you continue breathing this way, regulates your vagus nerve, right? Like the nerve that tells your body that you're safe. So if you ever want to relax, if you have anxiety, if you're in the moment of pressure, if you need to go on stage, if you need to, you know, attend to your kid's tantrum, whatever that may be, deep breath in, 
Breathing now twice as long tells your body you're safe and allows you to drop into your body. And then probably technique Katie may have, you know, you probably have shared with your audience before. Just imagining that every breath you take on the count of four goes through your heart. And as you breathe it out on the count of eight, you breathe it out through your heart as well, allowing you to center. Now the language you may use for yourself is I'm dropping into the center of my body, feeling my body heavy, relaxed as my mind expands upwards and outwards. So now I want you to focus on the issue. So again, I'm going to use the word issue or problem. You're going to think about what is it that you want to transform. It can be anything. It can be a physical ailment, pain. It can be something energetic. It can be something emotional. It can be literally something you're dealing with that's a problem for you in your life, tangible, monetary, anything. So I just want you to focus on that problem so your subconscious knows exactly what you're going to transform. And rest your mind on the idea now of the opposite of that problem. So imagine that problem, that issue is no longer an issue for you in your life. As you continue breathing on the count of four, breathing out on the count of eight. And just for a minute, I want you to rest your mind on the idea that the origins of this issue in your life, whatever that may be, are healing now. All the origins of this issue are healing now. I now want you to rest your mind on the idea that wherever this issue is a problem for you, whether it's in your body, your mind, your energy field, your emotional field, anywhere physical in your life, wherever this issue has been an issue before, that place is healing now. Wherever that issue may have been stuck in your body or your life is clearing now and you're able to let it go. And just for a moment, I want you to sit with the idea that you forgive anyone you have ever blamed for this problem or this issue, even God, even yourself. Just sit with the idea, I forgive everyone I have ever blamed for this.
And now I want you to sit with the idea that you forgive any part of yourself that has ever benefited from having this issue. So I want you to rest your mind on the idea that I forgive every and any part of myself that has ever benefited from this issue. Breathe it out. And just rest your mind on the idea that this issue has been completely healed and is no longer an issue in your life and your body. This issue has healed. And you're going to breathe it all the way out and whenever you're ready, you can rest your hands and just start wiggling your toes and coming back into my presence. Mm. How are you feeling? Ooh, that was so beautiful. I love the practice. Tell us a little bit about the hand positions and I, I have a sense of what that might be activating. Acupressure, right? So same as with EFT. I don't know if you practice EFT. I'm always the girl that looks for shortcuts. So there is EFT, there's TFT, right? Which have like specific patterns. Then there's EFT, which is more free flowing. I think Nick Wardner, um, Alex and, um, gosh, how their, um, sister's name is slipping my mind, but she's wonderful. I actually worked with her directly. They introduced that to the U.S. at mass, right? And, um, early 2000s. And then there is faster EFT, which is literally just four pressure points and very short language pattern. That's the one I go for because I'm like, I ain't got time for this. So the tapas technique is actually a longer practice too, but I need a shortcut. If I need to fix something, I need to fix it now. So I shortened it. I'll give you a reference to the website. There is like the whole, you know, science behind it and whatnot, but it's all it's acupressure. With that said, theoretically, just by doing this, it shouldn't be working all that well, but on the energetic level. The language patterning, to me, the most important parts of this is to heal the origins and to forgive any part of yourself that benefited from having that. That's the key for me. All the language around it, I feel like can be kind of changed. But again, Tapas Fleming walks you through the process and there's like seven components of it. We skipped like two of them. If you're going to do it right, you should do every step. I just, I'm the girl that's like, how do I get from here to here really fast? I think our audience members will appreciate both sides of that. Having a quick practice and then if they want to dive deeper, they can check out his website too. And Absolutely. I really loved, I really felt like I was activating my pineal gland um, yes. right in the center um, by holding those two points. I felt like that pulsing right. of my pineal, which was really activating. Which is really a third eye, right? Like your third is not exactly. here. It's the pineal gland. So yeah, I didn't, I didn't know how scientific you wanted to get in there, but yes, you're absolutely correct. In terms of using this as a practice, if you're a practitioner, you work with clients, it doesn't matter in which way, shape or form. Like if you're labeling yourself as a coach of any sort, energy healer and whatnot, this is actually, in my opinion, one of the fastest way to get the person out of physical discomfort. So for anxiety, for any emotional discomfort, EFT is probably my number one. Like let's tap it through, tap it out. 
this is when the energetics are manifested in physical body or they just simply are in distress, like, you know, back pain, headache, like any of that. This is the fastest way, unless like you're willing and ready to put the hands on your client and you're in physical space. Most of my clients are virtual. So this is what I will do. But if I'm physically with the client, I might actually do this for them if they're, you know, they're okay being touched and whatnot. But physical clearing any sort of discomfort this is probably my go-to number one. I'm definitely going to keep this in my repertoire now. Thank you for sharing it with all of us. Let's take a moment and rewind back to, you've lived many lifetimes in this lifetime, but let's start from the beginning. You had some magic in your family lineage that was really present. And I would love for you to share with the audience just how that really cultivated your inner world as a child and led you to the work that you now do today. My story is probably very similar to a lot of Ukrainian women. Funny thing is I've never talked to other Ukrainian women and asked them like, is that how you grew up? But I assume that we all had kind of like the same background. So I was born in Soviet Union, but by the time I was seven, Ukraine became independent, right? So things were changing drastically and rapidly. But, you know, Soviet Union religion was quite under wraps. I was actually baptized as Russian Orthodox and it had to happen in the middle of the night. And my dad had to not know about that, right? Because you were not supposed to affiliate with the church. So my godfather was my, and still is my dad's best friend. They grew up together. They've been friends since they were two years old. But my mom, if you can have an entrepreneur in Soviet Union in that era, I would dub them as an entrepreneur. My dad though had a job at a military factory. So my dad could not know what was happening. My mom baptized me as a Russian Orthodox. And I was told continuously that we were Russian Orthodox, right? Like I was growing up as a Christian. Um, we did read the Bible at home, but not in the same way that people do in America. From what I've noticed, religions is totally different here than it was growing up. And again, I'm from the Eastern Ukraine, which is very different than Western Ukraine. So I grew up with the label of Orthodox and I grew up with the label that everybody around me was Russian Orthodox. With that said, I want to say I was in second grade, maybe third independent Ukraine. So we were being given all these textbooks about Ukrainian history that just were, you know, information that wasn't actually available in Soviet Union, right? And a part of that, as a kid, we had to study culturology or study of culture of Ukrainian people, right? Starting from the second century BCE. And all the pagan things that I've learned my people, right? And that my people at this point, like we're talking Slavs in this region, we're adhering to were adhered to in my family very closely under the umbrella of Orthodox. And so I started calling it out to my mom. I'm like, mom, we're doing this and this. And like our people did it. And it's like a pagan thing that we do around Christmas. Like, for example, like I'll give an example. 6th of January is the Christmas Eve for us Orthodox people in Ukraine. And we would like fortune tell. Technically not supposed to happen if you're a Christian, right? But like Easter, same thing. Like every Christian, like the holiday of Trinity in, in July was actually, you know, Holy Trinity, right? Like it actually corresponded with the Neptune Day or the God of Water. And we did all these things like, you know, you had to wash yourself by a certain hour and you had to clean the house. Like there were all these rituals that were engraved into how I lived. But every time I would confront my mom, I'd be like, it's big. And my mom was like, no, 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 it's Orthodox. My mom did it. And I'm like, yeah. And your grandma, your great grandma, and everybody did because we're all freaking pagan. If you ask my mom right now, we live in the same household. She still does things 
to where she thinks is Christian. I'm like, I don't think so, but I don't argue anymore. So I grew up doing all these things, right? And my grandpa passed and I literally was like, he's here. Like I see him, I'm a kid. And you know, my, my dad was like, yeah, no way. Like you're going nuts. My great grandma pulled me into her room and she was like, yeah, I know he's here. I see him too. Like, it's okay, honey. Like, you know, I see things that others don't. And I was like, hey, what? And so that's how my journey began. And then I started reading cards. I often say I started reading tarot at the age of five to seven. It wasn't actually tarot. It was a plain deck. Tarot is very easy to use. I mean, look, there's pictures, right? Like plain decks, like don't have pictures. And I could tell you what was going to happen at the age of 11 by using cards just from what great-grandma taught me. So my great-grandma was the one that used cards. She stopped using when she saw the death of her son, stopped using the cards when she saw the death of her son during Second World War and he did pass. He was five. So she did not touch the deck until she realized I had the same gift as she did. And then my mom did a lot of ritualistic magic, still does. She lives in my house now. We evacuated her um, two years ago. And she still does it under premise of like, we're Orthodox. So I'll go to Easter. I'll go to Orthodox church on Easter Eve, you know, like all Orthodox do. And then I do all of these things that my people have been doing for centuries. Amazing. All right. So if there's a ritual that you could impart on the audience as when this episode comes out, we're probably going to be sort of in that transition of the back half of 2023. So what would be a ritual that you would share that we could all do as we close out this year and get ready to embark on a new year? Great question. So first of all, let's talk about the energetics of this year, right? This year is 2023, number seven, the year of chariot. There's two main predominant energies around the chariot. One is taking charge of your life. And in order to take charge of your life and manifest certain things, you have to actually know what it is that you want to manifest, right? So if you're not clear yet on what it is that you want to create in this life, like get clear and then get to work. The energy of this year is going to just 10x anything that you're doing, but you have to be mindful about what it is that you're creating. And two is accepting and embracing duality of all things. And this is where terror and mindfulness go hand in hand, right? Like multiple things can be true in the moment. You can be in the moment of complete despair and joy at the same time, deepest joy and pain, right? Like, and of course, you know, fear and love, the spectrum of the same feeling. So embracing that duality of your life is also super important. So that's that. And I try to keep an altar. I keep an altar. I used to do a vision board and an altar. And now my altar is the vision board. So I would put the energies that I want to invoke. So if you are like, you know, it's, we're wrapping up the second part of the 2023, you still have some time till winter solstice, which is the time when I would clear out the old, redo my altar, figure out what I want the next year to look like, right? Like what it is that I want to invoke. There's a couple of things that I would do. I would look at my tarot deck and I would say, okay, what are the energies that I'm bringing in myself? Like how am I showing up? Give you an example. I've been showing up more as a queen of rods this year, and it was definitely relevant from the beginning of the year all the way through two weeks ago. And I woke up two weeks ago and I was like, well, my partner has shifted. He's no longer um, the king of rods. And I no longer can see myself as the queen of rods either. He's going into the emperor energy. So I changed the um, cards that are on my altar to allow me fully embody the empress, which has a lot more divine feminine than I have ever allowed myself to portray or show up as. Like I'm very much so just take charge and go, 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 go. And the way we're shifting and molding as a couple, but also, you know, the kids and everything, like I had to basically say, what does it feel like and look like to be an empress? 
to match him, to allow him to do his thing right now and to take a more feminine role. And that's what went on my altar. So feeling out what archetype do you want to bring forward into your life as yourself? And that will be your queens, right? Or kings. And it will be your major arcana, right? Like the energy around the card doesn't have to be like the actual, you know, um, a human being. Like, you know, you might want to be a high priestess, but you may say, I want a chariot. I want to be a chariot. I want to be somebody who's in charge of my life. I feel like I lost control, right? You could be like, I want to be a son. Like I want to bring that radiant energy into my life, into lives of others. So that's one card that will go into your altar as a rich, as a part of the ritual. Yep. That's what's on my current altar is the sun card. My actually, it's this kitchen altar that we have, and we're recording this towards the end of August. And with my kids, what we did was we took and cleared all these spaces in the house. We did their bedrooms, everything, and we set an intention for each room, each space, each altar. Mm-hmm. And this kitchen one we have the sun card and it's really about just that beaming this beautiful energy out into the world. We cleaned it off and we're about to step it into Virgo season. It felt just like that perfect shifting in energy and you can do it just with a small space. But I love, I haven't thought about the cards. It just sort of naturally happened, but I haven't thought about the card that I want to embody in this next season. So that's a beautiful reflection for me too. Oh, mm. try it out. It's it's powerful. And you'll know as you get in the habit of doing this, you'll know when the energy has to shift. Like I knew it and I resisted it. Look, I resisted it. I was like, I know the change is coming. I'm not ready. I'm not ready. I'm not ready. And then I was like, well, the change is here. He's shifted. My family dynamic shifted. I have to shift or I'm going to be in pain. So I did that. And then the third part to it, and look, you can use as many cards as as you want. Like I have my partner and myself, and then there's other energies that I want to invoke in my house. So then you look for the card that gives you that energy of what you want to experience in your career, in your life. Like it can be the 10 of pentacles if you want security, whether it's, you know, your family unit or money, you can use the nine of pentacles if you are an entrepreneur, right? Like to get that money flowing and get that, that energy. You can use four of rods. If you want more celebrations, we're going into holiday season. Like, how do you want that to look like? Right. You may actually put negative cards, like eight of cups or 10 of swords. If you know, there's a chapter that needs to close and you want to kind of like get the energies and shut that door. If you're dealing with a medical condition, like health condition, you might be using a black candle on that altar and you might be saying 10 of swords and then, you know, followed by chariot card because you're taking charge of your house and then the sun card. There is a place and space for every card in the deck, but it's, you're going to basically use a few cards or just one that will invoke the energies that you want. And then just, you know, incense it up, herbs, everything, and just let up the candles and off you go. And I burn the candles on my altar every single day, religiously, mornings light it up. And then as I see, I do readings here. My altar is over there. I just, I watch it. I watch it from here. It's beautiful. We have actually three candles on this kitchen altar and I have naturally been burning them every day. And I'm going to continue to do that just to help activate that energy that we're calling in. And I use different colors for different things, right? Like if my kids are not sleeping, if they're in nightmares or whatnot, like I'll go for pink, I'll go for lavender, I'll go for dark blue, right? Like for healing. If there's stuff that needs to just get out of my life, I'll do the black candle ritual, which again, like if you want to cut something out of like your life and you're going to do that, like you have to be ready for a little bit of pain, right? Like nothing leaves without pain. 
then you have to be ready with what you want to replace. I'm known to have drawers and drawers of different candles. And now our eight-year-old actually has his own altar. And I have to share my candles with him too now. So we are like doubling the candle orders every single week. I love it. And it's so beautiful having a nine and 11-year-old, you know, to incorporate them into this ritualistic way of living, which really is so natural and so much of our origins, but has been for some (laughs) of us lost. For you, you know, you really got to grow up with that ritual. But for many of us, rituals were kind of lost in the sauce. And so it's really bringing them back in to our daily lives. And for my kids, it's so beautiful too. Like my daughter wanted her room to feel high vibe and my son wanted his room to feel organized. And it really, you know, it's what they want to embody as they go into this next school year. And I love that. And it's so different and unique and they get to tap into their own inner knowing about what's right for them and what they're calling in just like we all get to do too. You know, intuition is something we all have. And it's as simple as this morning, whatever time of day this is that you're listening, this morning, you made a decision about breakfast. You decided, am I going to have breakfast? If I am, like, what am I hungry for? And like, that is your intuition. That's your inner knowing. And it's really that simple. It's just coming back into that relationship and that knowing of who you really are and what do you want? And sometimes we can have conflicting feelings. Sometimes, you know, there might be that like, oh, a muffin would be really yummy, but our intuition is telling us to have scrambled eggs. And then we get to like decide, you know, which is our truth. Is it the muffin or is it the scrambled eggs? And it's really that simple. It's just coming back into even in these small moments of life, just trusting this is what my body needs right now. And the more and more you can do it with kids, the better. So tell us some of the practices that you do with your kids too. Like how do you help them to tap further and further into their intuition? I'm going to share a party trick with you, mamas. First of all, motherhood is a new thing for me, right? I have stepkids and they, they're little and they've been in my life now since uh, beginning of this year. I had to like start getting crash course from all my friends that have kids. But anyway, um, first the party trick. This is an LP trick, but the, it actually does work on kids. I do use essential oil spray in my kid's room, like a monster spray, right? And I can give you a recipe for that. But what I do add that's not a, typically a part of that recipe, you know, to clear the energetic space is lemon. If you have a little bit of citrusy smell in the room, people, including kids, are less likely to be messy and more likely to clean up after themselves. It works like a charm. So if you have a party going, you have, you know, people coming in or like your your kid, your son, right? Wanted his room to feel more organized. Like I would be like spray essential oil, like spray lemon every single morning. And he's actually more likely to even keep his room organized and not Mess it up. Oh, I do do that. Um, the ritual we started doing recently. So we have 50% custody, right? So our kids go back and forth. And as much as both households are, we love them, we care for them, and they feel great in both spaces. That transition can be a little bit painful, right? Like, so anytime the kids are with us, they don't want to go back to their mom. I assume that to be true every time they're with their mom, they don't want to go back to their dad. Kids are like biggest mindfulness teachers, right? They are where they are. 
they're having a good time. They're in the present. They don't think about, oh, but the last week I was with my dad. It was great. So I'm going to have a good time. They're like, but I'm, I'm like, good right here. Why are you ripping me out of this environment? So that transition, I felt like energetically was hard for them. Sure. With time and energy, you know, it, it gets easier and sure you can buy all the TBS methods, right? Like all the behavioral therapy methods. But what would it look like on an energetic level to reset, to have something that just kind of like resets them from this environment to this environment? Not because that environment is bad, but just because it's a transition. So we picked the song that they love. We sing in the car quite a bit as a family, but they love the Queen um, song, Don't Stop Me Now, right? Because I'm having a good time. So we play that as we pull into our neighborhood. So that starts the ritual, right? Kind of resets them. And then we go into their room immediately. We, I bring the monster spray and all of us go in circle and we say, what do we want to leave behind? Like you can be worried that I'm going to be late for school every time, right? Like our eight-year-old is always worried that he's not going to be on time and is dependent on parents. So I have to admit and tell him like, it must be very uncomfortable that you can't drive yourself and you don't know if me or mommy or daddy are actually going to be on time. Like, I get it. I'm going to do my best, but I get it. You're worried. Like, you know, it can be anything. So we leave things behind. Then we spray the monster spray above our head. And then we go in and to set the intention. And I tell them, it's like, you know, a wish come true, a dream. It does work on energetic level and psychological level. My four-year-old last time said, I gave him little dinosaurs and he's like, I just wish I could have more dinosaurs. I'm like, okay, great. Like, and I'm thinking to myself, I'm just going to buy more, but it's going to take me several days to get them. That night, I remember that I stashed like eight boxes of little dinosaurs months ago in on the third shelf in my kitchen. And I find them. So miraculously, he got what he wanted. And I didn't even have to push for it for anyway. We do the intention and then all of us take um, a candle. Usually it's either gold candle to manifest and bring forth or pink candle to divine love, right? And all four of us will put it on the altar of my eight-year-old because he has an altar there. And then we each light it up. We do that every time that we bring the kids either from the trip with us to enter into our house or they're coming from their mom just to kind of have them reset the energy. And it's been, it's where it works. It just works. It does. It does. And kids are such miraculous manifestors. I had this beautiful experience with my daughter yesterday. We were scheduled to go to a water park with her, one of our best friends from school and her mom. And we've planned this day for weeks and weeks. And at the last minute, the other parents' childcare fell through for their other child and they had to cancel. And so in the morning... We got to say like, okay, I know you're disappointed, but how are we going to shift this energy? What do we want to do? We both, you know, I had my day cleared. And so she said, I think we should still go to the water park. So we ended up choosing a new water park that was a little closer to home. We drove down, you know, we're having a great time in the car. We walk in and there is one of her best, best friends from summertime and her two brothers and their uncle. And we just have the best day. And it was so beautiful when you just shift that energy, even though it started with disappointment, it ended up with something even better. And that was our intent in the morning was, okay, let's make this day even better than it was originally intended. And that's exactly what happened. And it's just a simple moment just to sit together and really talk about, okay, we want to shift 
this energy. That's a phrase we use a lot in our house is, okay, let's shift the energy. Let's call in something new. Let's release the old and move forward in a new way. And taking that moment to pause and do it through ritual, do it through a conversation. It really helps our little people and ourselves just to like recenter because it's a practice that we can do as adults too. Tell me when you need to shift your own energy, when you're like, oh my gosh, I just am like having one of those moments where I'm like, I don't like the state that I'm in. What do you do as a go-to practice? So you might be surprised because... Theoretically, I have all these mindfulness tools and hypnotherapy tools and NLP tools to where you can shift a person's or your own state, right? And you can do physical first, then emotional, emotional first, physical later. And I don't use them for myself. First thing that I do is actually the mindfulness practice, right? Like, and that's why I tried to teach my kids that some things are the way they are and it's okay. It's okay to be in discomfort. It's okay to be with discomfort. That part of you that's aware of your discomfort is not you, right? Like that part of you that's aware of your discomfort is not in discomfort. Like you have to be okay with what is. And it's okay to be uncomfortable. Because one of the things I see in teenagers predominantly is like, I'm uncomfortable. It's the end of the world. I have to fix it. And then they fix it with, you know, and all the horrible things that can happen. Um, But what if they, from the childhood, were taught that it's just the moment. And it won't last forever. It's just like this for now, right? Like there is a mindfulness teacher. I really think everybody should follow Alexis. Um, can pronounce her last name, um, but I'll drop the link too. I mean, she's incredible. I share her stories and my stories a lot, but it's just like this for now. So that's the first thing. It's like acceptance. Like this is where we are. But the second one, instead of shifting my energy by just like mindfully approaching with all the NLP techniques, I go straight to burning a candle. And I literally like, if I need to let go, that's what I'll do. I'll do the intention and I'll ask my spirit guides to come and just take that shit out. If I need to invoke something, I'll ask for support. So my altar is definitely the way I shift everything. And I just like, I trust in the divine, the divine's going to take care of it. If I'm traveling, more than likely I have um, either deck or candles with me. I do travel sometimes. I mean, pretty much all the time. Like in Spain, I'm going to Spain in a couple of days. I'm going to have a backpack full of stuff, but it's a tarot thing. So, you know, if I don't have candles, I will go through the deck and I'll find the card that is going to manifest the energy that I want or the outcome that I want. And I'll pull it out. If I'm in a position to where I can just display it in my hotel room or great, if not, I'll just put it like on top of my deck and I'll put that deck in the purse this way. So I definitely 100% rely on the divine to just fix it for me right or wrong, right? Uh, But I can tell you all the techniques that I should be using that I just don't. Well, we want to know the real deal, what you really use. And that's beautiful. For me, when I need to shift my energy, my first go-to is moving my body, getting outside, um, going for a walk, just anything, jumping up and down, dancing, just some type of movement really Mm. is my go-to for shifting energy and getting in your body right like just getting out of your mind and in your body i do so we do more like crossfit at home um and i do have adhd which is pretty typical to be neurotypical and have the gift of clear sight right like go hand in hand a lot of times but getting into my garage or it's been 112 in texas so i go into my bathroom and just throw some dumbbells around has been my go-to for like when my mind is just like not focused like i just cannot get anything done I'm going to go and work out and reset a little bit. So that um, definitely moving your body is one of those 
techniques that works every single time like a charm. It's a good go-to. So tell us a time in your life when you've used ritual for like some, that's illuminated some really big shift that you've needed Mm -hmm. to make. And what is that like? And what's it like when you're like, you see it and you feel it and you embody it for the first time and you're like, oh my gosh, like now I need to move. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I had a very interesting big change in my life because of the vision boarding, right? So you ever have a question, do vision boards work? Yes, they do. But you have to be one clear. I always say, just get clear on what you want because you're going to get it in, in the shadow side of it too, right? Like everything comes from with both sides. So are you, are you willing to accept the shadow with the light? Um, and the second thing is how powerful it is. You have to be ready to be gutted. If you're asking for something new to come into your life, you have to be ready to go through a lot of pain to let go. Because even if it's something like, you know, your misery that you're used to, and you're letting it go and you think you're going to get happy. Before you get happy, you're going to be in pain. You're going to be brought to your knees. So as long as you're ready for that, I always had vision boards. So I don't do physical vision boards. I do the altar. So I do the cards, but I don't do physical vision boards. I'm just not that person. I use Canva. So for years I would do Canva and then put it as a screensaver on my phone. I was in a marriage where, you know, my ex-husband and I are still friends. He's a wonderful human being. Incredible. But we got married really fast. We were trauma bonded after Las Vegas shooting and things weren't great. They really weren't great. And at some point they were just so not great that we just became roommates, right? And we just kind of just like, well, this is life now. But my vision board still showed all the things that I wanted in my life pertaining to like that partnership, that relationship, that all the things I wanted to feel and experience. And all the pictures were me and my husband. And for three years, I wasn't getting any outcomes I wanted. And I still religiously did it because in all other areas of my life, I could manifest things overnight sometimes. And I just... It's like, why is it? Why is it? Why is it? Other things happen, right? Like I do read cards and I saw things, but sometimes when it's your life, yeah, it's hard, right? I resist. Yeah, you're in it. You're like really in it. I was really in it. And I was like not willing, right? Like not willing to have a failure. And so at one point I said, okay, I get it. I think I get it. I hope that it is my husband and I that are going to experience this life, but I'm removing his picture from the vision board. And I'm putting just couple pictures, right? Like just sourced on Canva Pro of people I don't know without faces, right? Um, that the pictures that give me the energy of what it is that I want to experience, which basically took courage and, and for me to say to the universe, to the divine, that I was willing to accept any road that would lead me to the outcome. This is what I want to experience. Get me there, please. I was divorced within, I mean, I was pretty much separated within 30 days. It was, you know, mutual. It needed to happen and all of that. But we've been in therapy for three years, right? Like on and off. We've been doing courses like Sarah Jane's course is fantastic. Incredible. We, you know, we signed up for that, but there's a reason that it just wasn't going to work. So I got clear that I was going to have this outcome no matter what. And I was willing to pay the price as easy and painless as it was. It was also super painful and super not easy on the emotional level. Right. And I am in a relationship that matches every single thing I have on that vision board, that last version of vision board that I had. And it was a painful way, but a quick one to get here. So that's my whole thing on getting what I want is I envision it, whether it is, it goes into a journal. Sometimes it does. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it's a vision board. It's always tarot deck, but you know, tarot inspired. But the main thing for me is I need to know exactly what it's going to feel like 
And I need to know that I'm willing to pay the price of getting there. Wow. So I have to tell you, I have this free masterclass on why your vision board isn't your reality yet. We'll put it in the show notes, but it really touches on a lot of the themes that you're talking about. Because when clients come to me, I find there's really three things that are blocking them from manifesting their vision board. One, they haven't shed the shit. So they haven't let go of the old things in their life to make space for the new. Two, they are not actually crystal clear on their purpose. So they have things on their vision board like this couple that maybe it's a specific couple, but maybe it just needs to be a generic couple and they got to get clear on their purpose. And then the third part is they aren't a vibrational match for that which they desire because we really are magnets. And when we become that vibrational match, then we're able to magnetize the miracles, the manifestations into our life. And then that's all of what we teach in the Soul School course of how to really manifest your dreams. And And when is that launching your course? Well, it's actually, it's an evergreen course. So it's constantly enrolling. Clients can enroll at any point in time. And there's a few different formats that they can jump into the class They can jump into the class with um, a DIY. So you take all the modules yourself. It's really self-service for our independent learners. And then the second is the class, all the modules, but with group coaching every Wednesday at one o'clock. So that's what I'll be rolling into after we record. And that's for people who really want some more handholding and want to learn in that group capacity, learn through others, hear people's stories. It's very, very powerful. And then I also offer it um, from time to time as a one-on-one. So everyone has access to the modules, but if you really want that fast-tracked individual support, then we do it in that way. So it's great for every type of learning style. And it's the formula that I used in my own life to overcome many really significant life obstacles, the ending of a marriage, the ending of a corporate career in order to step into the next version of who I was becoming. And I'm having so much fun teaching it. It is an absolute blast. And it's just, I'm glad you're doing this. I mean, look, there's so many Mm -hmm. books on this, right? Um, The self-help industry boomed and exploded in what mid 2000s, probably something like that. It was like 2011, 2012, when it was uh, a big thing. And, you know, a lot of the mainstream manifesting techniques are very much so rooted in NLP, right? Neuro-linguistic programming, which works, right? Like the language patterning and how you talk to yourself and how you talk to others, um, you can change the outcomes, right? And that's the precursor to hypno- hypnosis as we know it in the clinical sense, not the transpersonal hypnosis that our ancestors were doing and, you know, shamans are still doing in those energetics of it. But I do think that with that boom, once again, we moved very far away from our roots, our heritage. You know, our ancestors did not have the books on NLP and hypnotherapy and, you know, neuroplasticity and things like that. And science is great. I love science. And something gets lost in translation when you're just like, well, this book said, follow these five steps and it's going to be, you know, we're going to just have the life that I want. And then it doesn't work because you forget about that spiritual component. And I know that the way you teach and 
how you work with your clients and how you work in the group settings, you don't omit that part that is actually the key, the crucial key of connecting to that higher self and to the divine and co-creating the life that you want. I'm so thrilled that you're doing this and that it's available to anyone at this point. So right on. Okay. So as we're closing out, first, let's do like just a little bit on how are all the ways that people can find you? How can they book a reading with you? How can they get to know you better, your work, your world? Totally. Um, look, I am very antisocial, meaning I have an Instagram. We'll drop it there. You'll see pictures of my kids and my dogs. I probably, I rarely post anything that's, you know, is about the work that I do. But on my Instagram, and I'll give you the link, you can go to my calendar and book an appointment. It's 60 or 90 minute sessions at this point. And I do have a website. I'll drop that as well. It rarely gets updated. Look, all my clients, and most of them do become friends in the end because you can't do this work without actually getting like that deep soul connection. They find me through referrals, right? So somebody worked with me and they they referred somebody else. Come hang out on my Instagram, say hello in the DM. But if you feel cold to work with you, that's great. If not, if you just want to hang out and chat that's good too i feel like everything is divine timing and everything is has like resonance right but yeah i'll give you my instagram my site and my calendar link amazing okay so as we close out what imparting wisdom do you have to share with our audience and also can you give us a little teaser about the eight year that we're stepping into next so a couple of things, the wisdom, right? Like, so what, what would I want to leave everybody with is get a tarot deck. I'm not saying it because I'm a tarot reader. In fact, like every time clients come to me, I'm like, great, I'll read for you. I'm happy to read for you. And here are the things I want you to learn because at the end of the day, I'd love for everyone to be able to pick their deck and do either a journaling practice with it every morning or be able to get their questions answered with their higher self, with their intuitive self from the divine, right? So pull a card, learn about that card. There's different ways to learn, right? Like there's Bidi Tarot, I think is one of the best sources to learn tarot. She's fantastic. Bridget, I, I'm resonating with the way she interprets cards because I learned in Europe. So a lot of readers, if you get a reader from Scotland or Ireland or England, they'll read exactly the same way as Ukrainians do. And Bridget actually is very close to that. American courses on tarot don't resonate with me. They doesn't mean it's not right. But get a book, get something where you can actually reference to. But the main thing is going to be to look at the energy of the card and to really like to look at the picture and to really see what that actually feels like and what it can mean for you in your life. So get a tarot deck, use it for your altar and also use it for like just clarifying where you are, especially if there's options or if you don't have options. One of the, I'll leave you with this question, with this question to ask your tarot deck. What are the opportunities or options um, available to me that I'm not seeing, that are in my blind spot? That's typically a good one for me because, look, I'm very strong-minded and I'm like, it's this, this, and this, and I don't like any of these options. So I go in the deck and I'm like, okay, what's out there that I just am not seeing? <sighs> Freaking profound. Mm. So do that. Okay, I'm definitely trying that later today. Um, I'm going to tell you something about 2024. So... Um, so there's some of the indications and look, I'm not a numerologist and astrologist, so definitely go to, and I can give you some references to some people that I follow that are freaking incredible or work with one-on-one. -on -one. There's a numerologist in California. I was completely off the grid, but she's the best in the industry. But something that we'll see next year, I think is that 
some of the world powers and how countries interact with each other are going to realign. So it will be another year of big changes, big, big, big shifts, which will trickle down to how we live our life here in the micro. So the main things would be, right, was the uh, number eight is always to be empower and empower those around you to be in control of their own microcosmos. Sometimes that micro, because of circumstances, right? We've seen people in dire circumstances that have been able to, you know, preserve their health, mental health in like freaking camps, right? Like in war camps. And that's being in control of your mental state. Sometimes your cosmos is a little bit wider than that. It can be your household, family unit. It can be your community. It can be even larger than that. If you have, you know, a following where you can actually impact, you know, your 60,000, 500,000, I have people, I have a friend who has 5 million followers. Like, so her microcosmos is way bigger than mine. So number eight is always going to be to come from a place of power. With power comes responsibility. So make sure that you use it wisely, but empower others to be in control of what is here and now. Because whatever's happening around us and above us on the grand scheme of things, I mean, I think March is going to be very interesting next year. I think by May, we're going to look at a totally different uh, world we're living in. Just be in control of this, right? Yeah. This was such a gift. Thank you so much for joining the Mystical Living Podcast. And you truly are creating a mystical life. I do have one last question that I ask all my guests. And the question is, what lights you up? Because I believe what lights you up has the power to illuminate the entire world. Because when we follow our light, we allow others to shine too. Such a great question, Katie. And I do think that the answer is always different, right? Depending on the phase of life you're in. We started this call by me saying I changed my altar to have an empress on that altar. And I resisted it because I'm an eight on Enneagram. I'm quite headstrong and I have a lot of masculine energy and I'm shifting. And the reason I'm shifting is because what lights me up right now more than anything else is my family. Never has been the case. It's always been career and clients and work and travel. And as much as that all still matters to me, my family and my stepkids is my focus for the remainder of this year and maybe even into next year. So what lights me up right now is being able to learn as I go to be as mindful of a parent or co-parent as I can be so that these kids are growing up, not only knowing that they're loved and supported, but also mindful and resilient. And that's what I'm, you know, moving into is the way I live my life, the way I manifest that and also and on energetics, what's on my altar, what's on my vision board right now. It's definitely going to be an era of being more in the feminine for me. It suits you. I love it. And I love witnessing you on this journey and coming out. And, and in some ways, mothering is very masculine. And there's a lot of doing and action True. in mothering True. too. And I love watching you step into this phase of your life. And it's going to just be an absolute joy. And what a gift to your stepkids too, to have your light in their lives now. Thank you, Katie. Really appreciate you having me here. So excited. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Sending you so much love for a beautiful, beautiful rest of 2023. Thank you. Same to you. I'm grateful for your presence on this remarkable and captivating journey today. Together, we've delved into the realms of limitless possibilities and unlocked 
the secrets of our true selves. A mystical life is not a mere coincidence. It's a thrilling adventure that you actively shape with intention and passion. Remember, when you follow your light, you not only illuminate your own path, but you also radiate light to the world around you. The world eagerly awaits the magic you have to offer. Follow your light and let it guide you to incredible heights.